Hi, I'm Bill Gaither, and welcome to More Than the Music, a podcast where you can join me for conversations with some of the most interesting people I know. Each episode features a special guest who has inspired me in some way during my 50 years in the music industry. You'll meet incredible artists, writers, and comedians, sports figures, and other folks I'm grateful to call my friends. Join me now for this week's episode of More Than the Music. It's going to be good. Josh, every time I talk with you, I spend two or three hours in the morning <laughs> trying to get my voice down. <laughs> <laughs> How uh, how old were you when you got up one morning and said, uh, "Mama, I want my egg scrambled this morning"? And I went, "Mama, what? About what age did that happen?" <laughs> oh man, I, I tell people, you know, I, I jokingly tell people that you know uh, it was like this when I when I first came out of the womb. Um, the first song I ever sang was "Tonight the Bottle Let Me Down," just not the just, just a baby bottle, um, but. Uh, but no, I, I, I kind of, the Lord kind of surprised me honestly because I, even when like I, I developed a passion to sing, uh, early on in my life. I, I sang my first country song in front of a crowd when I was thirteen years old. I started playing guitar and writing songs when I was seventeen years old. My first trip to Nashville, though, was to the Vanderbilt Voice Clinic with a vocal injury because I didn't know there was a proper way to sing. And so I was pushing my voice. I wasn't taking care of it. I wasn't breathing right. I, I was singing out of my range. And so uh, that basically led to a year of vocal rest and classical voice training and just learning about the anatomy and how to, how to take care of it. And as I went through that training, I, I started to heal. I started to learn how to use my voice. I moved to Nashville, started going to Belmont, and I, I continued that training there at Belmont. And after a while, I started noticing that my voice could do things that it never could do before. And so there I was with this injury. Um, when I first found out about it, I was scared to death. I'm thinking my career's down the tubes, like there's no way I'm going to get a record deal. I've lost my voice. But then the Lord took that and basically made my voice even better on the, you know, after the the, the healing of, of my voice and everything. So it was really a blessing in disguise. So um, I'm just thankful I had the perseverance and the, deter the determination to put in the hard work, put in the time to be patient and see it through. And like I say, I, I, I learned things through that process that are helping me today because when you have a grueling touring schedule and interviews and all that kind of stuff and you're using your voice constantly, you have to learn how to take care of it or else you're going to you know, hurt it again. So. I find uh, as I get older that, that, that talking is tougher on me than singing. Do uh, you think that's true? Absolutely. My, I tell people all the time, the hardest scenario for my voice is when I'm in a loud room and I'm having a talk over noise, especially as, as somebody who has a lower voice. It's harder for my voice to cut through the noise and, and all of that. And so when that, that just wears me out completely. And when my voice is tired, I'm like 
my my whole being is is out of whack. Like I, I just don't I don't have energy. I, I'm not in a good mood, you know. And it's it's all contingent upon, you know, the health of my voice. You know, folks don't understand. You know that half of what we do. I think this this is the whole problem with uh, uh, during this pandemic going back to church and saying, okay, you can go back to church, but you got to stay six feet away. You got to wear a mask. You can't touch. You can't hug, and you can't uh, exchange juices in the air, I guess. Yeah. And you yeah. want to say, you know, you don't understand. That's what we do. That's called congregating. Uh, that is, yeah. uh, that's, you take that all out and just put yeah. them in front of a computer. <laughs> it's, it's, it, I mean, I guess it'll do uh, just seeing people on a screen, but it's not the same as going to church. But at the same time, I've had to make a decision as I got older, uh, do, uh, and, and talking to people is very, very important, but do they want me to talk to them or want me to give them a program on the stage that night? And sometimes you just have to make a decision. I can't do both, right? Yeah, yeah. You know, whoever wrote uh, In the Garden, I think they were, they had social distancing in mind. You know, I come to the garden alone. Uh, so, uh, <laughs> so they had it figured out. Um, but yeah, it, it's, uh, it's a crazy time. Um, you know, it's, uh, you know, and I tell people, I told somebody yesterday, you know, they asked me, they were like, well, you know, we know you're a, a, a man of faith. You know, what's a message that you can kind of give to people, you know, during this time that we're in? And I said, you know, yes, it's a it's a tough time. It's we're, we're living through a lot of uncertainty. People are out of work. People are scared to leave their house. Um, you know, people are watching loved ones die. And, you know, it's 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 a rough time. I, 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 I won't deny that. Um, but in the midst of that, you know, it, things, tough times always seem harder uh, when, you're, when you're in them, when you're in the thick of it. And so when, once you get out of that and you look back, you realize, well, man, it wasn't quite as bad as I, I thought it was when I was in it, you know. And, and so I, I've just tried to encourage people to take one day at a time. You know, Jesus told us not to worry about tomorrow. So, you know, just worry about today. Keep your chin up, um, and just focus on on your blessings, and and instead of focusing on what you don't have or what you know, different mandates or things that are forced on you and all that kind of stuff, um, you know. And and so I I just uh, I basically try to tell people that you know, you look back through history, um, there's there's been a lot of horrific things that have happened uh, in certain countries and certain cultures, societies. And uh, this is this was not a surprise to God, you know. Uh, he 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 knew that this was coming, and um, you know, and I think he's going to bring a lot of good out of it. We've often asked people when Gloria and I have a chance just to do talking and not singing. We say, "How many? How many of you have one? How many of you have learned your big lessons of life during?" Uh, during, uh, during great times and everything was going great, you were on top of the world, uh, and a few people raised their hands. How many of you have learned the real lessons of life when you, when you were in the valley and when it was really, really tough? If, if audiences are honest, most people will say, 90% of the audience will say, uh, 
I've learned the real important stuff in life when I was on my back and I was oh, struggling. Yeah. And I was trying to. Yeah. So if that is the case, uh, this is a wonderful opportunity to learn. And I, with you, have heard a lot of people say, uh, the grass is a little greener this year. The skies are a little bit bluer. The waters are a little bit clearer. The fishing is more fun. The drinking coffee at a distance with my friends is even better. <laughs> and, and, and for us who've got a good marriage, you have one and I have one, the time with Gloria has just been great. I mean, we've been together 57 years, and yeah. and and most nights we'll be eating alone, and we'll look at each, look at each other and say, "Well, if we have to do this, I don't know if anybody else I'd rather do this with." You know? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And you know, it, it's it's good to to you know be forced to kind of slow down at times. It like you say, it, you you tend to pay attention to what's around you more and, and you focus on, on the blessings that you have um, instead of being so busy and so frantic to where you lose sight of that or start taking those things for granted. And you're right, you know, we, we learn more, we grow more, um, you know, during tough times, you know, God has a way of, of pruning us. Um, and that doesn't necessarily mean that it was His will for us to uh, endure that hardship or, or go through some tough time or endure some kind of loss. But, uh, you know, Romans eight twenty eight says that he's going to, you know, bring good out of uh, that for, for those who love him. And, you know, one of my favorite verses is James 1, 12. It says, blessed, blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial. Uh -huh. And, uh, you know, I, I feel like I've been under trial, you know, for a long time and I've, I've, tried and done my due diligence to, to remain steadfast through a lot of that. And, uh, you know, it's not easy. You know, God never never promised that it would be easy. He, mm -hmm. he, you know, Jesus told us that we would have suffering in this world, but to uh, be courageous because he's, he's conquered the world. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm thankful for that, that wisdom and, and that insight, you know, that still rings true today. And for you who uh, may may uh, be seeing this fine man for the first time, Josh Turner has been one of country music's most recognizable voices, selling more than 8.5 million units and amassing more than 2.5 billion global streams. That's a bunch of people listening to your that's, music. That's, that's billion with a B, B as in Bill. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, uh, it's amazing. Uh, you could be around forever and there's still folks. In fact, it, it, was, it was fun for Gloria and me. We were going to Muncie the other night and somebody sent me a copy of your new uh, project. And so, I, I mean, Gloria and I are big fans of your, uh, of your voice. And, uh, oh, and we started listening to that and reading the copy. You, uh, you made a, a point in the copy where you say, uh, I've always loved sad songs. And I thought, that is, <laughs> uh, 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 that's interesting. Speak to that, Josh, you've, uh, as a country music fan in, growing up. Well, I, I, I haven't always understood that. I, I, I always gravitated towards you know those sad songs because I always, I always felt more. You know, when I when I heard those sad songs, I, I felt sorry for the the singer and the song. I, I felt sorry for whatever the situation was. 
Um, you know, I guess I had empathy there, but, uh, you know, it just, it made me think more. Um, I tried to relate it to my own life and, and ask like, what would I do in that cer- certain situation or, or whatever? And, um, you know, and, it, and I think in some ways too, you know, it, it's, it's kind of biblical because I, you know, what's the verse about, you know, it's, it's better to be, um, in mourning than to be at a feast or whatever. I can't remember the exact <laughs> verse, but, um, you know, it, it's, I think, I think the presence of, of the, the Holy Spirit is, 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 you know, you can feel it more in, in those kinds of situations because, you know, the, the Spirit ministers to, to the brokenhearted. So. And it seems, uh, I have a friend, Mark Lowry, who says God, uh, God always uses broken vessels to pour out uh, his, his oil uh, for healing. When I was a kid, speaking of sad songs, we grew up in a country home, even in Indiana, and my mom would play uh, Red Foley's old song, Old Shep, when I was a lad, oh, and old Shep was a pup. And every time my brother and I would get into that song, we love that song, and we get to the last verse where he was growing old, and the vet said, uh, we're going to have to put old Shep down. <laughs> <laughs> Danny, yeah. and I, Danny and I always stand up and say, don't kill him. Don't kill <laughs> but it was a redemptive song because it would end up saying, but if God has a heaven, there's one thing I know. Oh, Shep has a wonderful home. And so, and so country music always, I think, has, talked, has touched on those nerves one of the writers that you're saluting, or one of the singers and writers that you're saluting in this process is Hank Williams. And I don't know of anyone who really touched on the nerve of uh, what real life is all about. Real life is, and as I wonder where you are, I'm so lonesome I could cry. I mean, you talk about great, great lines. Uh, The country music writer, has always done that. Yeah, Hank Williams was very in touch with, you know, the human heart and human emotion and real life and what was going on around him. He, One of his uh, famous quotes was, if you can't write a song in 20 minutes, it ain't worth writing. <laughs> <You> know, <laughs> that's, that's debatable. But, uh, but, like, I understand what he's saying. You know, it's like you have to have a grasp on what you're writing about in order to write about it. And so... Um, so yeah, it, it's 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 been a part of country music, um, you know, from the the beginning, and and it's uh, it's been a an art form, art form and a genre that uh, allows you know a singer to sing about anything they want to, and that's that's one of the things, one of the main things that appealed to me early on as a, as a young boy about country music was that I wasn't restricted. To singing about you know a certain subject matter, it it just it was like a you know a blank canvas, and you could just go and paint whatever you wanted to paint, and um, and so that that's always been very freeing to me, uh, and that includes those sad you know heartbreak songs. So, have you sung uh, in Montgomery at the city auditorium there that that they say part of that city auditorium? 
was the auditorium where his funeral was held. And then right around the corner, there's a little museum. Have you been to that? I've, I've been to the museum. Um, I've been, uh, I didn't get to go inside the old home place down in Georgiana, but I've been there. I've seen that house uh, where he grew up, and um, I've been to the gravesite probably five times in my life. Uh, and I've, I've been to the city auditorium. I haven't played there. Um, I have played in Montgomery, but just not at that venue. But taking my picture with the Hank statue down there and all that. Um, <laughs> But uh, yeah, I've, I've just I've always loved um, you know Hank and you know his music inspired my very first hit, Long Black Train. So um, I have him to thank for that, and uh, you know it's just uh, you know I, I've just loved you know the the storytelling and and just the emotions that country music has made me feel throughout the years, and how it's been a comfort to me, um, you know, in good times and bad. You know, Gloria and I have spent our lives in gospel music, and uh, and we've held in high regard the gospel uh, legends in our field. But boy, I got, I got to tell you, country is so closely tied to who we are and what you know what we do. We watched all eight sessions. It'd be eight hours of listening to the Ken Burns uh, country music mm-hmm. history. And man, Gloria and I just sat there and said, you know, this is amazing. The two fields are so intertwined and uh, and they're both they're both about real life and real stuff. And of course Hank Williams on his tombstone with all the great uh, secular songs he wrote, the song that's on his tombstone is I saw the light, I saw the light, no more darkness, no more light. Praise the Lord, I saw the light. Yep, yeah, and that that was a, a song, as you know, that was on my, my last record, I Serve a Savior, and um, won a Dove Award. And I, I think I called you on the phone after that <laughs> and just, uh, was just checking in with you and Congratulating you on your award and, and all of that. So uh, so yeah, um, it was probably Sonia Isaacs that helped me win that award. I don't know. You, you, she would probably take the credit for it. But, um, <laughs> Knowing Sonia, yeah. <laughs> but but I, I got to go home with the award. So yeah. that, that was good. <laughs> you got the bird on your wall, right? <laughs> That's right. That's right. More than the music is sponsored by the folks at the Game Show Network. You know, these days, it seems like every time you turn on the television, there's something that makes you want to shout back at the screen. Well, at the Game Show Network, that's the whole point, but in a good way. They're dedicated to creating family-friendly play-along and laugh-along games that will have the whole family getting in on the competition. Whether you're watching their classic games in the morning or their block of all the original shows from 4 p.m. to 9 p.m. every weekday. It's a great way to bring everyone together in one place and on one screen. If you're looking for entertainment that the whole family can enjoy together, the answer is the Game Show Network. Uh, But there is something when we play uh, in that part of the country, in southern Alabama, that I have to think, uh, here's part of my history. Here's part of, part of where I grew up. Uh, 
You made a reference uh, with this uh, with this uh, project. You call it uh, Turner's Mount Rushmore of Country Music. I was one time asked, "Who are the who was the biggest male influence in my life?" And the first person that came to my mind was my father, and he was great. And he was wonderful. But I said to this person who asked the question, mine would be a composite of five people. It's funny that you listed five artists. Uh, and I said it had to be my, my dad and my granddad. But I listed three other people who, who were in our field. And you said uh, on the field, uh, your, your Mount Rushmore example of the greatest in the country music field would not be just one person that influenced you, but you had five major influences. Yeah, it was, you know, I've, I've always referred to it as my Mount Rushmore of country music, and it's basically Randy Travis, John Anderson, Johnny Cash, Vern Gosden, and Hank Williams. And, you know, those five artists, um, the biggest thing that I learned from those five was how to be Josh Turner. They're the, the, all five of them are very iconic in the way that they looked and the way that they sounded and the way that they approached songs. And, uh, and they, they all five, you know, have made a, a huge um, contribution to country music and made a, a mark on country music. And so I've, I've always said that with any song of mine that you hear, you can hear at least one, you know, traces of at least one of, right. of those artists. And so... Um, they've, they've made a huge influence on me and a huge impact on me and they still are, I'm still learning from them. And, uh, you know, I, I'm just uh, thankful that I have them, uh, to call heroes. And even some of them I've been able to call friends like Randy Travis and, and John Anderson. When you were in Belmont, I read one time, uh, when you were a student at Belmont, you went out to Hickory uh, Lake and knocked on Johnny Cash's door. <laughs> I did, I did. Um, yeah, it. There were I had, there were no dogs. <laughs> I didn't see any. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, what happened? It, it was. Happened? I, you know, looking back on that that experience, I I think it was a divine appointment because um, I had I was a student at Belmont. I didn't have a record deal yet. Uh, I had like twenty five dollars in my checking account. Um, mm -hmm. And I was reading Johnny Cash's autobiography, and I had read about the neurological disorder that he had been diagnosed with. And so one day after reading some in his book, I sat back and I was thinking, if Johnny Cash dies and I don't get to meet him, I'm going to be so disappointed. And so I came up with this crazy plan of like just driving to his house and finding out where he lived and all that. And so I did. And uh this was before GPS and all that, so I, I got lost a couple of times before I got there, and by the time I found the place, uh, the sun had gone down, it was dark outside, which made me nervous, and <laughs> and so when I finally find the house, uh, it's, it's real dark around the house, it's on the lake, I see several SUVs in the, in the driveway, and the gate is just wide open, <laughs> and so, I just drove on in and parked and uh, went up to the only door I saw and, and knocked and nobody came and um, and I'm sitting there thinking like, okay, 
that gate was open, they, they obviously were expecting somebody because they wouldn't just have the gate open for no reason. <laughs> um, this is Johnny Cash's house we're talking about. And so I knocked again, still no answer. And I'm thinking, man, this is like, what in the world? So I, I walked around the corner of the house and it was just pitch black dark around there. And I'm like, okay, I'm not going over there. I'll, they'll, you know, the, they'll call the cops on me. <laughs> so I, I went back to the original door and I'm, I'm, there's a stained glass window to the side of the door and I can see a painting of June on the wall. So I'm like, this has got to be the place. So I knocked really, really hard on the door and I hear this voice from the depths of the house saying, coming, coming. And so I'm waiting and all of a sudden I see the door open and it's Johnny Cash. Was it black? Answer, it answering the door. He, he, his hair was kind of messed up. He had reading glasses on. He had a, a gold uh, necklace on with a, a cross on it. And he had a, like a button down denim shirt, kind of halfway buttoned. And uh, he was wearing bedroom shoes. And um, he kind of flinched because I obviously wasn't who he was expecting. <laughs> uh, and uh, I sure as heck didn't expect Johnny Cash to be answering the door. Um, and so... I reached out my hand and I said, Mr. Cash, I'm Josh Turner. I'm from South Carolina. I'm a student at Belmont University. And just kind of started talking about how big of a fan I was. And, you know, I appreciated his his witness and all the stuff he did with Billy Graham. And, and I had read about the neurological disorder that he had. And I just wanted him to know that I'd been praying for him. And, and, I, and I, I, I was probably talking 90 miles a minute. And, uh, I, finally, like, I finally just kind of had to take a breath, and I told him, I, I said, I'm, I'm sorry, my heart's about to beat out of my chest. And so he kind of laughed and said, uh, well, you know, we're all human. And so I, I, just, uh, I just let him know that, you know, uh, I cared about him, that he was a hero of mine, and that uh, I'd been praying for him. And... Um, you know, wished him the best. And so he shook my hand again and said, you know, how much he appreciated me and, and said that he was going to go back inside and rest. And I said, I understand. And so he shuts the door and I go to walk back to my truck and I just break down crying because I could not believe what had just happened. And what so the, my whole the... way back to, to, to campus, I'm just like trying to digest all of this and the morning that I woke up, uh, the day that I, that I found out that he had died, I was so thankful that I had taken that risk because that was the only opportunity I ever had to meet him. What a story. What a story. And, <laughs> and what a beautiful response from him. I mean, I mean, he, he could have had somebody else go to the door and a number of other things. So you, so you found a very... Uh, you found what you thought he was, right? Yeah, somebody asked me yesterday what what I learned from that experience. And I said, well, I learned that if uh, a young artist ever knocks on my door, don't shoot him because he might end up being famous and talking about me one day. <laughs> <laughs> that's, a, that's a great story. <laughs> and in listening to the project, when we came to the caretaker song, The, the Undertaker, uh, uh, and I knew uh, one of the five was Johnny Cash. I said, at, uh, I said that has to be a Johnny Cash song. Uh, yeah. uh, and I never heard it before. And that, that, uh, that's the first time I've heard it. 
It's undeniably Johnny Cash, and that that's one of the reasons that I chose this song was the fact that I'm like, yeah, I could pick Faults and Prison Blues or I Walk the Line or Ring of Fire or whatever it may be. Yeah. Um, yeah. But that's 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 too easy, you know, and I I I wanted to give Johnny Cash more credit than that because I, I feel like, you know, you can sing any one of his songs and some everybody's gonna know that it's a Johnny Cash song because yeah. he was that iconic. And so the Caretaker is, is one of those songs that I fell in love with years ago because it, it tells such an interesting, intriguing story about a guy who lives in a cemetery. And uh, the first lyric of the song is, I, I live in the cemetery, old caretaker they call me. And from that first line, he has your attention um, and you want to know what the rest of the song is about. And so it's basically, he he spends so much time there that he sees all of these funeral services taking place and he sees all these people come and go and how they behave in the wake of losing a loved one. And it gets him thinking, it's like, okay, what kind of effect am I having on the people around me? And who's going to show up when they lay me in the ground, you know? And, and so it's always been a compelling story for me and musically it changes tempo three times. And, um, and I, you know, kind of injected my name in the place of Johnny's, uh, in there to make it more personal. And, and so it, uh, it, 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 and it's also the first time I've ever played guitar on a record. So, um, you know, I, I owe that to my producer, Kenny Greenberg. Um, he asked me if I would play guitar on it because I, I had done this song on an Opry country classic show one night and uh, Marty Stewart was introducing me and I came out, just sat on a stool and I played this song and I don't know what the crowd thought about it <laughs> but because um, it's such a morbid song but um, but Kenny loved the recording so much he said, man, you, you need to play on this and he said, you know, we yeah. need to try to recreate this and so that's what happened and, um, and yeah, it, it's a special moment on the record. You know, Marty... It, obviously, it's just a big country music fan, and I don't know of anybody more knowledgeable about the history of the music than Marty. And Marty lived right next door to Johnny before the house burned down. Mm-hmm. And uh, my, uh, Marty's a good friend, also. Gloria and I have always been intrigued with uh, uh, Chris Christopherson, a Rhodes Scholar, and a country music. Um, Icon uh, and an actor, talented. Larry Gatlin uh, says his his poetry that Sunday morning coming down. Many of the great songs he wrote, he said, he is one of a kind. But I have said this in other settings. As far as a gospel song in the last century, one of the most honest gospel songs that I know of is, "Please help me, Jesus." I've wasted it so. Help me, Jesus, I know what I am. Now that I know that I needed you so, help me, Jesus, my soul's in your hands. And I think of that scripture of the two people coming into the temple. The one was very arrogant. I'm glad I'm not like that guy. And the other one just simply said, you know what I am? I am a wretch. Was that a great experience? Were, were, were you together when you filmed that or when you recorded that or did you just uh, send the tape to Chris? 
I had already recorded the song, and then uh, we started talking about the idea of, of bringing Chris in to, to sing on it. And um, I've been friends with Chris and his wife, Lisa, for a long time. And so I, I texted Lisa back Thanksgiving last year, and I said, what are the, the chances of Chris coming in and being a part of this project and uh, singing on this song? And she said, when and where? Uh, I was just floored by that response. Um, they were willing from the get-go, and they made it happen. Um, they We sent them the tracks and everything. He did it out in Hawaii. Uh, she took some video footage of, of him and took some pictures while he was in there. And, and uh, when we got it all put together, I just, I mean, man, you know, every time I hear it, I just, I can't believe that it exists, you know, to have a country music hall of famer, a former highwayman, you know, just incredible singer, songwriter, actor, you know, it's just, uh, he's lived an incredible life and, and to be on little old Josh Turner's record is, <laughs> is pretty humbling. He could have easily, you know, told me no. Um, but yeah. he, he made the effort to come into the studio and, and do that. And it just, it turned out great. And it's one of my favorite tracks on the record. Same here. We loved it. We loved it. Gospel songs and country tunes talk a lot about this subject, about uh, being grateful for what you got. And, uh, uh, and, I, uh, and I love this particular song. A 40-room mansion sitting on the hill, I've never living in a place like that, and I never will, but I've got the mornings. I, I love the butt, but I've got the morning sun, and I've got the evening, and i got a woman that I love lying close to me, and I've got good friends. i got the moon and stuff. My bills are paid. There's food on the table, shoes, shoes on my feet. Yeah, that could be a praise and worship song. <laughs> it, yeah, it kind of... Pretty much, um, you know, it was written by Max D. Barnes, um, and uh, and it was a, a, initially a hit, originally a hit by my hero and my friend John Anderson. And yeah. this song's always, um, you know, just made me feel good every time I hear it, every time I sing it, and it's something I can relate to. Um, it's something that I kind of live out, you know, in my daily life. And um, so I I could have sung, I could have chosen any. John Anderson song because they're all good and and uh, and and worth worth singing. But I I I landed on this one because of the way it, it's always made me feel and having John come in and, and sing on it, uh, you know, was was great. You know, John and I've been friends now for almost twenty years, and um, so it, it's always good to collaborate with him and and sing with him. You know, it, he's been through a lot of health challenges himself and. Um, to hear how great he sounded on this record was it did my heart a lot of good. And one of the one of the jokes that I made to the studio musicians the day that we recorded this song was the the original version of this uh, song was in the key of D. And so with how low my voice is, I'm always having to adjust the key, you know, to where it suits my voice right. And uh, and so we we ended up doing it in C sharp. 
And so I told uh, I told all the guys that you know the original version of this song was written by Max D Barnes, but my version is written by Max C Sharp Barnes. So, <laughs> <laughs> all the musicians thought it was funny, and I tell non musicians that, and they start cricket. You know, it's like nobody nobody gets it. So. <clears throat> Let me tell you a story like that one. Uh, you know, I'm a songwriter and I play the piano, but it's I'm 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 I'm, I'm not a Gordon Moat, okay? So uh, so I was playing a tune that we're getting ready to track in a session, and uh, when I got done, Ben Spear, his friend of mine, and we were with, with a bunch of musicians, looked at me and said, "Bill, I have never heard anybody play as long as you have played." And improve as little as you have improved, which was very, which was very funny with a group of musicians. Yeah. The next week or so, I was out playing for a soloist in our field, a gospel soloist by the name of uh, Doug Oldham. He was a he was a great uh, singer in the early days, and we were trying to get our songs. Gloria and I were trying to get our songs out, so I would go out and play for him if he'd sing "He Touched Me" because he lives a couple of our tunes. Why we're out there, so Doug had heard that story and he thought he was fu- it was funny. We were in a little country church somewhere, about a hundred people, and so when he inter- introduced <laughs> me, he said, "This is my accompanist, Bill Gaither. Uh, he's not really that great of a keyboard player. In fact, I've never heard anybody play as long as he has played, and improve as little as he's improved." Crickets. <laughs> Those old farmers just went. <laughs> and so when it was over, people came out and said, I didn't appreciate what he said about your play. Yeah. So you How have dare to you talk about that. Bill Gaither that way. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> Great did you do this? Uh, did you record this during the time you were down uh, this spring and summer? Um, I started recording it kind of the end of last year. Um, well, I, I take that back. It was it was more like the end of summer last year um, because I I guess it would have been uh, early September, I guess, uh, last year when I went into the studio to do the tracks and everything. And then from that point, I started what? doing all my vocals and everything. And then, um, you know, all of my part was done um, prior to the shutdown with the pandemic and all of that. Yeah. And uh, we had a few guest appearances that had to happen um, yeah. after that. So we, we, we got all that done. Uh, it was tricky navigating some of that, but we got it all done. It sounds great. And I'm very proud of this record. And, um, you know, so I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing what the fans think about it. Great. Josh, it's always a joy to talk with you. I love your heart. I love, I love your attitude about life. And it comes out in your voice when I hear it. It just, you sounded so relaxed. And so good to spend this time with you, my friend. Absolutely. Good spending time with you. Always good to see you and talk to you and, and uh, tell Gloria we said hey. <laughs> Blessings. Same here. Blessings. Same here. All righty. Y'all have a good week. Good. Thank you for joining me for this episode of More Than the Music. For details on the Gaither Vocal Band tour dates, the latest Gaither music releases, and much more, visit us online at gaither.com. This is Bill Gaither signing off until the next edition of More Than the Music.